Hey there, folks. Welcome to a special edition of the Hero Cast. It is one of my favorite shows of the year. The top 10, bottom 10 movies of the year. In this case, it'll be 2023. Joined, as always, by John Edward. Find him on Twitter, Jorge Blanco. Some uh, photos from uh, World's End last night are up there, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, EC HeroCast, EC underscore HeroCast, EC HeroCast Instagram, EDC85, all that stuff. How are we doing? Pretty good. Just got back from my final movie of the year this morning. And, uh, spoilers, it will not be on the list. Best or worst. I saw anyone but you. It was fine. Nothing really to talk about there. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'll be honest, there was a rumor, I think some a bit of fake news, that there was like, oh, there's a Sydney Sweeney topless scene, and I did some digging because I wanted to know when to leave the theater when that <laughs> scene would happen, but it turns out it's not true, so I was like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, n- not enough debauchery. Uh, <laughs> she, do- she does technically get topless, but there's no full frontal exposure, it's uh very concealed toplessness. Mm. Well, I've got, uh, yeah, well, I won't spoil it because we'll talk about it shortly, but my, uh, look, going into this year, I didn't think I would hit 40 again because I hit 40 last year in the theater, 12 on streaming, so 52 total. I was like, there's no way I'll get to 40 again. Well, I ended up at 57 in the theater and 10 on streaming, but uh, you got to get to 200 next year, I think. I, uh, I'm i never touching that, because this year I made it a chore for myself. I went even on days that I didn't feel like going. I saw movies I didn't feel like watching, and I hit 183. Whew. So in 2024, I plan on not coming nearly close to that, probably pushing 100 if things go well. But I don't think I can do 183 again. That was just way, way too much. It took too much effort. There were days that I did five movies in a day. It was insane. Um, But I actually did nothing on streaming. Uh, A bunch of the movies that I saw in theaters did also stream. Netflix did a few limited releases in theaters. So I was able to catch some of the Netflix movies that way. But uh, yeah, I didn't watch, I don't think, anything that was specifically just streaming. So nothing from there will be on the list. You know, there's some stuff that look kind of interesting, like what is it, Flamin' or Flamin' Hot, whatever it is, the Cheetos movie. Um, I also didn't see the Weird Al movie or anything like that. But anything that was in theaters, more or less, I saw. I only missed a couple all year. I should clarify, only five of my ten streaming were exclusive to streaming. Um, The rest were, I just missed them in theater, and... uh, there's only one. I still want to see the Tetris movie. I didn't. I haven't seen that either yet. I don't anticipate it being top ten or bottom ten, so I'll watch it later. But look, if it ends up, I'll I'll come back on and give it. I'll update the list and give it a glowing review. I don't anticipate that, but it does look interesting. Oh, I I also want to preface my list before we get into it. Um, there was a couple movies that I saw early in the year that were really great, but they technically were 2002 uh 2022 releases. So I didn't count those on my list. Movies like Broker and Women Talking and Close. Um, I loved all three movies a lot, but they were all technically 2022 movies that I just didn't get to until 2023, so those won't be on the list. I just had one, which was Puss in Boots. But 
Uh, not on my list, but it was good. I liked it. Um, I guess we can get started. I mean, well, the one thing I was going to say, the reason I got to 58, I didn't really have... Uh, there was very few movies that I felt like I forced myself to go see. So it was it happened to be a good year for movies. I think next year when we feel the effects of the strike... I won't even get close to that, so... But, uh... Yeah, this that's the only reason I made it. It's like, there just happened to be a lot of good movies this year. But... Mm. Alright, let me... I guess we'll... Uh, do we want to alternate best and... Uh, that's too complicated. Let's no, just... say, do you want to do... Do you want to do uh, best and worst? Just go, like, 10, 10, 9, 9, like that? Yeah, that's fine. Alright, we can do that. Alright, um, let me just real quick with the honorable mentions for the. I'll start with the honorable mentions for the best. Um, I'll just spend a couple seconds on each one. So, uh, honorable mention. First one, I thought this would actually be kind of bad, but uh, Missing, I thought was kind of clever the way they filmed it. I like that a lot, too. Yeah, I, I was impressed with that. And it reminded me of kind of what I do for work a little bit. Uh, nefarious. It you know, look, it, it's pre. I didn't think it was preachy, but if someone were to watch it and say it's preachy, I'm not going to argue with them. Uh, but to me, it was a, a very good demonic possession movie. I'll I'll throw this one out here just really quick. My favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes of all year, was actually so. This guy, real quick, the movie is like this guy's on death row, but he didn't kill these people. It was the demon that possessed him that did it. And they're trying to see if he can stand trial or stand execution if he's sane or whatever. And during the movie, he's like, the guard comes up. He's like, what do you want your final meal to be? And he's like, he's like sobbing. It's the dude who was, um, I forget his name. He was in Boondock Saints, but not Norman Reedus. <laughs> Uh, so he's like sobbing and like, oh, I want a cheeseburger and a milkshake, and it's very important to me. Then the demon takes over and he's like, you know what? Never mind. I don't. I don't want anything. He's like, you sure? He's like, yep. <laughs> and then the next day, he's like, what about my final meal? And he's like, you told me you didn't want one. And I was like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> I love that they made this poor guy who's about to get killed. They're like, no, we're not even going to give you. A... I was, I was just so happy that. I mean, it's a weird thing to be happy about, but I was like, that's such great writing that they made <laughs> this demon like, no, you don't even get a final meal. So, honorable mention just for that scene alone. Um, Dumb Money, I really liked a lot, and it I let was me... Gonna put that, I was yeah. going to put that in my honorable mentions also, actually, so I'm glad you're tackling that one. Yeah, it led me down a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole of... Um... Did you see the Netflix um, documentary they did on GameStop? Because that it was very similar to Dumb Money, but it's so I knew a lot of the story coming in, but I like the way that they, de they developed the characters and stuff within the movie and made you really care about the people involved. I did not know. Mm. I mean, was it Eat the Rich? Is that the one? Uh, I think maybe. Yeah. I don't remember the exact name of it, but yeah, no, I I really liked this one. Um, I had a thought on. Um... Well, anyway, uh... oh. My one thought was, um, I, you know, it was about the, because I was watching a, a rabbit hole of, like, ex-GameStop employees, uh, 
And a lot of them, this was before the movie was even made. Some of the videos even predate COVID. And a lot of the employees were like, oh, it's so much, it's so bad to work there. This this store does not understand how games are, you know, evolving. And a lot of people had really clever ideas. They're like, I would just close like 90% of the stores and just make them like adult entertainment center uh, venues to where like you and your friends can come and like play, have LAN parties and stuff. And serve alcohol. Well, I said, all the ones by me have basically just become pop culture stores. They kind of like become what Hot Topic almost was, just with less shirts and more like toys and merch and stuff. It's like it doesn't feel like a video game store as much these days. Yeah, a lot of the ideas were like turn it to like an adult Chuck E. Cheese, basically. And I'm like, <laughs> that's actually kind of clever. And and it made me think. I'm like, you know, the guy, the Seth Rogen character. He was completely valid in saying that this store should will crumble, but it's ultimately a great uh, story of like screw the rich. Even though Seth Rogen's character is like completely correct, and I'm sure GameStop will be dead in five years, but whatever. Um, bit of a controversial honorable mention, Oppenheimer, but uh, I really did like it. Acting was great. The scene when he's given that pro-America speech and then he sees all the people like suffering the radiation effects probably yeah. was my favorite scene of 2023. But the last 45 minutes with the trial, I was not interested in that at all. Um, and yeah, I would the, say for me, Oppenheimer and uh, Killers of the Flower Moon are two movies that I know are like objectively good, but they just didn't make my cut. I was like, they were good movies, but between the length and the heaviness of them, they just didn't make my cut. Agree. And I have to ding at some points because this whole oh you it's it's so massive you it's, you can't even see it in IMAX. No, no, you got to see it in this special IMAX screen. There's only 19 in the country. And out of curiosity, I looked it up, and the closest one to me was like Indianapolis. I'm like, no. <laughs> definitely not and then when they get to the bomb drop I was like oh this is going to be good and then the film goes silent I was like that sucked like did not need to be IMAX it'd be yeah you... also 99, 99% of the movie is like is talking so yeah, this should have any IMAX for conversations well, yeah I don't that was so overhyped so I'm digging them for that like it'd be fine on my TV in the living room but yeah um, let's see uh, by the way, yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon was a uh, honorable mention for the same reason you said. Uh, Big George it was, it moved fast. Like I was very concerned when it came out because when I saw what was it three and a half hours, mm-hmm. I complained so much online, and I know Scorsese thought <laughs> bad because people were putting in intermissions and stuff. But I was surprised that when I went to go see it, it did move pretty fast, especially for a Scorsese movie, which usually drag and drag. Yeah, I mean, you could have cut it like ten minutes, but yeah, I agree. Uh, big George Foreman. I just love... I like boxing, but uh, this was fun yeah, to relive. The guy I that played that. Uh, Muhammad Ali was really good. I liked him a lot. Yeah. Uh, Gran Turismo, another video game movie. Does uh, I'm going to count it as a video game movie or a product movie, either one. Uh, but uh, it uh, it was a lot of fun. It over-exceeded my expectations. Same here. I liked it. Um, thought I... Oh, yeah, Air was another one, another product movie. Um, I would say Air is actually going to be on my top ten, so I won't get into that. But I was surprised at how much I liked it. I almost put it in the top ten. It would probably be eleven if we're being honest. So yeah, it was uh, I, well. So, so just to reset for a second, 
Um, I ended up just making a list of, it ended up being 25 movies <laughs> just before we went on. And then I'm trying to pare down basically as we talk to figure out what's actually going to be in the top 10 from that. Uh, last one, next goal wins. I was very surprised how much I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. That was very cute, yeah. Yeah. Just one of my fa- funniest scenes was when he's just like, your computer is just a keyboard sitting on a desk. Like, there's no <laughs> monitor. What do you even do? It's so stupid, but I loved it. Anyway, that's all mine. Um, so I'll just run through some of mine. I won't spend a lot of time on any of them. But uh, Thanksgiving, which was the Eli Roth horror movie, mm-hmm. hilarious, especially the opening scene. Um. That was also my weirdest theater experience of the year, as a baby got loose in the theater and almost wandered out of the theater. Oh, wow. That's a story for another time. Um, so Thanksgiving is one of my honorable mentions. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall, which I know is getting a lot of uh, a lot of hype now with the award season coming, but that's a foreign movie. I forget. I think it's German, but don't quote me on that. I don't remember off the top of my head. But um, that's about a woman and her husband... Uh, they live with their son in this like ski chateau almost, and uh, the husband ends up dying from a fall. And the whole movie is about did she push him? Did he jump? Did he slip? What happens? And then like them examining it and her and her son dealing with the trauma of it. And uh, that was pretty interesting, especially because personally I experienced that where uh, my grandfather actually fell in our house, and to this day we don't 100% know what happened, but I was the one who found him, so that kind of hit close to home. Um, more honorable mentions for me, Poor Things. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know if you want to say the way you described it in the group chat, but I will <laughs> say that Eddie had the, uh, best summation of the movie that I've heard. Yeah, it was like the best, uh, I mean, it was the best, uh, porno I've seen plot-wise ever. <laughs> Basically. But I also thought it was genuinely hilarious all the way through. And the visuals, not counting just Emma Stone, but, like, the visuals of the sets and the <laughs> costumes and stuff were really, really fun-looking. Um, so that was just a real blast of a movie that could have easily been my top ten. Um, American Fiction, which I just saw this week, I thought that was really good. The only thing, the only issue I had with that was the ending was a little deflating, but I understood it. Um, I saw a, I believe it was Pakistani movie, um, In Flames. It was really good. It's a foreign movie about... Uh, woman whose dad dies and then it's about the family um basically trying to like overcome generational trauma and stuff. it's, it's kind of interesting um the beanie bubble with uh zach alfanakis and it's all about the rise of beanie babies oh, i um, did want to see that yeah that was that was really fun it was fun it, it's very similar to air or blackberry and that sort of like same you know it's time it time hops but it tells the story of the big company big product movie year this year yeah, and most of the, I mean, they were pretty much all good. Like, I, I didn't put Blackberry anywhere on either list, but I enjoyed that, too. Um, they Clone Tyrone, which was a Netflix exclusive that I did see in theaters. Um, that was very, very fun. Uh, the idea being that they, the government, well, I, I guess it's a spoiler, but there's probably going to be spoilers in all these reviews. Oh, um, yeah. Well, the big, the big twist is that the government is, uh, basically just making clones of people in the ghetto and trying to keep poor people poor, but using clones and stuff. It's, it's fun. Um, I also have it ain't over, which was great. And I think you absolutely need to see it's a Yogi Berra documentary. I I don't Um, think I've heard of it. Yeah. It's just, it ain't over. And it's the, uh, it's a documentary on the life of Yogi Berra. 
starting from his childhood all the way through his eventual death. But uh, it's I think it was made maybe by his granddaughter. But that was really, really good. Um, and I'm not a big baseball guy, but that was great. Um, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves was another one that I was shocked that that was as fun as it was. And one of the few movies that moved me to tears, I was not expecting at all. Um, Renfield, which was a blast and just hilarious and brutal and the best possible way to make that movie that you could have. I think Nick Cage probably had the weirdest year for movies between that and Dream Scenario. And uh, was the movie where he played himself this year? I forget. That was last uh, year. Okay. Well, he's but he's on like the, the this run of just making fun, weird movies. I think Pig was also last year with him. Um, but he's just in his like, I'm going to do whatever weird stuff I want to do. And it's always fun. Um, then the only other ones I have left are Landscape with Invisible Hand, which was a small movie that I would have never heard of if it wasn't playing in my theater. Um, but that's very fun. That's Tiffany Haddish is in it. And, uh, I forget the kid's name, but it's the kid who he's on This Is Us, but, um, he plays her son. But the whole idea is that there are these like alien overlords who basically take over, uh, the whole, all of earth. And they live in this like giant floating spaceship that just kind of hovers above the land. And then they just use, um, earthlings sort of as they need them for work or entertainment or whatever. Um, but there's a big influx of aliens who are like obsessed with the culture of earth. And so they want to see like real relation, like what is relationships like between humans and stuff like that. And so they, uh, her son and his pretend girlfriend have to act like they have a relationship to sort of amuse the aliens. And it gets really, really weird and fun. And yeah, that's some movie to check out. Um, the creator, which I assume is one of the ones you saw, but I, did. I love that. That was very, very good. Um, I love the idea of AI and like the sort of benefits and dangers of it. And the idea of AI, like AI kind of becoming sentient and like having feelings and stuff. Um, and the last one is a movie that this is, I think the only movie that I enjoy that got terrible reviews and it's hypnotic with Ben Affleck. It got panned basically by all critics everywhere, but I loved it. It's very much a like whodunit sort of mystery, kind of like Inside Man is the way that I would compare it. But Inside Man mixed with uh, like telepathy or um, mind control kind of stuff. So it's literally about using the power of hypnosis to make people see and like see things that aren't there and do things they wouldn't normally do. But that's full of twists and turns and a really fun movie overall. So that's I think that does it for my honorable mentions. And whenever you're ready, you can get to the lists. All right. And I should mention, uh, if you're listening, then you cannot be mad if we spoil it because there will be spoilers. Yeah, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to limit as much as I can, but there's gonna be some of them. Westboro, we're talking about our favorite movies and least favorite movies, so hard not to. So number ten on best movies. I guess you could call it a product movie. Uh, it's going to be Barbie. It was, uh, and it's funny, you know, I did the Barbie Heimer like everybody. And a couple days passed. I was like, I think I liked Barbie better. I mean, they're hard to compare the two. They're completely different movies, but 
I was like, I think Barbie was the better movie. It, I just had not that Oppenheimer's fun, but like, <laughs> like Barbie was exactly what I wanted it to be. When I heard they were making it, I was like, okay, it's either gonna be really good or really bad. And I think I ended up making it very good. So it just completely didn't take itself seriously, which is what I wanted. Uh, but I mean, this could have obviously been like a horrendous movie, but. Uh, they did everything that it should have been. So I just, the Ken song, hilarious. Um, just all the Kens were great. Uh, the idea that it was like this feminist, pe- like stop. It was, <laughs> it just, it made fun of like, you know, chads, I guess. But then it made fun of like, you know, Instagram type women too. So I don't, the, the whole, oh, it was, no, it stop it. Uh, but I enjoyed it a lot. It was uh, number 10, obviously. So It was one of the only movies that I chose to see multiple times. Um, the other one is going to be also in my top three. But I had Barbie listed as my number three. Um, oh, for wow. Christmas, basically. Um, it, was a, it was a ton of fun, way more than I was expecting. Really funny. I liked a lot of the sight gags, like how she goes to turn on the water and you don't see any water coming out and little things like that. Or like how the, uh, I think it's the Lizzo song. Um, how the lyrics change based on what's happening in her world and stuff. I, I, just little things like that get to me. And then visually, it looked really fun. The story was fun, and just a really great movie overall. So I think that that ended up my number three. Yeah. And your ten? Uh, my ten is a movie that I thought would have been much higher on my list coming in. It was probably the second most I anticipated any movie this year, but. Just one part of the movie dragged the whole thing down for me. And I think Eddie will know where I'm going when I say this. Uh, The Iron Claw. I thought it was a great (laughs) movie. But my God, the person they picked to play Ric Flair was literally the worst performance in any movie. And I've seen some bad movies this year. But the Ric Flair was the single worst performance I've seen. The one thing that saved him a little bit is the scene after the match when he's back in the locker room. That's when he's like not so bad. Yeah, but I thought that too. But the promo and his match, like how do you get somebody to play Ric Flair who can't do the strut, who doesn't have his inflection, who has nothing, he had basically nothing about him. And at least if he looked exactly like Ric Flair, I'd be like, all right, I can see that. But didn't even look like Ric Flair. Like the wig was bad. Everything was bad. But the movie itself, very, very good. Um, I love the Von Erich story. It's crazy to me that the Von Erich story is so sad that they literally had to cut out one brother's existence and death because the director said that it would have been too much. Like, that's just insane to me. But I love the movie. I love the way that it showed wrestling but wasn't really a wrestling movie. It didn't feel like The Wrestler. Um, it like I love anything that deals with, like, toxic. Because, like, I'm a big guy who played football but also was very sensitive and soft in a lot of ways. So uh, I love anything that deals with the idea of, like, toxic masculinity and, like, how do men deal with emotions and stuff like that. And that the ending line from the boys really friggin' got me. Because you know that if any of those brothers had heard that at any point in their lives, like, especially from their father, that maybe everything would have been different and they wouldn't have all been dead. But Iron Claw is my number 10. Yeah, I'll, uh, since you did it for Barbie, I'll do mine. Mine was, uh, I had that at number 5. Uh, I agree with everything, especially, and I thought about the Ric Flair. I mean, I've looked up wrestlers who do a Ric Flair impression. AJ Styles, who doesn't 
really <laughs> look. But I mean, AJ Styles gets a haircut, dyes hair blonde. He does a good Ric Flair. You could have picked him. And then it's like, obviously, Jay Lethal does the best. And it's like, well, he looks nothing like Ric Flair, but at the same time, it's like, I wouldn't have even cared because it's he looks or he at least sounds like him. And neither the the guy that looked that played Ric Flair didn't look anything like him either. So it's like, who cares? You know, you know what you actually could have done with Jay Lethal? You could have like had Jay Lethal in the role, right? Had him just wear the robe and the wig and just shot it from the back. Get artsy with it. Like have it have the shot looking at the camera. And just this way, you just hear Jay Lethal's voice. You don't actually see Jay Lethal. Yeah, and as far as I mean, if you were like watching mid, uh, World Class and like a big fan during that time, I could see why the inaccuracies would kind of annoy you. But to me, it's like this is how these movies are. Like based on a true story, is never going to be a hundred percent accurate. Watch a documentary if that's what you're interested in. I mean. I, I get it, and a lot of things were uh, messed up. I noticed two things, like the big flare match with uh, Von Erich that ended in a double DQ, not a or a double countout rather, not a DQ, minor detail. And then uh, the other one I noticed, uh, Kerry only lost like the front half of his foot, not his whole foot. That's what I had. Okay, that's what I had thought. Uh, I was wondering about that. And but, that uh, yeah, so. Um, I also came up with this little side thing because you mentioned it on Facebook about like every 10 years we get a wrestling movie and it's great. And I was thinking like, what else would make a good wrestling movie? And I also tried to think of it realistically. So like a lot of the names I came up with are going to be too similar to the wrestler. So I don't think they would do it like Jake Roberts, Canyon, Scott Hall. Those oh, see, be... I, see, I feel like Canyon, to me, has such a different story, mostly because, I don't know if you, I assume you saw The Dark Side of the Ring on Canyon. Yeah. But uh, when he talks about, when James Mitchell talks about how the, uh, the gay porn fell out of Canyon's, fell out of the boxes when Canyon was moving, I feel like I see that scene in a movie, and I'm like, that's Ooh, absolutely yeah. okay, that's true. Also, I, I feel like with a Canyon movie, I joked about it on Twitter, but I, I'm serious, I feel like Adam Driver would make a great Canyon and it's not bad. You're gonna need a name, I feel like, to sell any almost any other wrestling story except for like the biggest names in the industry. Yeah, okay, you convinced me. That would be a good one. Um, another one. Uh, he's not a big enough name, but the way he died was really interesting. Was Dino Bravo got killed by like the Montreal Mafia? Yeah, um, I still haven't watched that Dark Side, but I have to. Um, this one a few years ago would have been, but the fact that both the leading people are now like hated. Like, a Hogan-Vince in the 80s type movie would be good, or would have been good, but I think now that it's like, okay, one we always suspected was, like, some creepy sexual abuser, and now we know. The other one is just openly uses the N-word, so probably not, but it would have been a good movie. But I feel more. like the way you do a Hogan-Vince movie is you have to center it around the uh, female ref who accused Vince of uh, rape, basically. And yeah. you have to kind of tell a movie from her perspective, almost do like a spotlight sort of idea, I feel like, with her as the center of the movie, and then Vincent Hogan are kind of like the the villain sort of from afar. I don't think you could do a straight biopic on... Yeah, not anymore. It would have been good, but... Uh, this one would be good, but the last time they tried to make a movie about North Korea, everybody got hacked, but <laughs> Collision in Korea, I think, would actually be... A really good movie to tell the story of that whole ordeal. That would be fun. Uh, 
this one wouldn't work because it would have to have both companies work together. It would be like a Rhodes family movie. Yeah. And it's like you couldn't tell the Rhodes story without telling, oh, yeah, Cody disappeared and created a company. And WWE wouldn't want that. And then I doubt the other company well, would be like, oh, talk about Dustin's uh, drug addiction. Like, they wouldn't want um, that either. I would say, although WWE did mention uh, AEW in the Cody Rhodes Peacock documentary, which I was surprised that they outright said it. And they had the bucks on it, too. So. Yeah. I don't, yeah, well, they'd have to both be like executive producers of the, I don't think that would yeah. work. But the one movie that I could actually, although you, you really, Canyon wasn't a big enough star, but I could absolutely see that now that you mentioned it. But I could see this being a movie. And I even have the guy to play him. Andre the Giant. I think that would be a great movie. He was a larger-than-life character. Everybody knows him. He's not like casuals would know him. People who never watch wrestling would know him. He's done movies, TV, and wrestling. Gone all over the world. And the one thing on the dark side, I think it was a, maybe it went a dark side, maybe it was just a documentary of him, how they mentioned that he's always living in pain in his whole life. He was uncomfortable. I think you could do a lot with that. And... Yeah, he's also got a lot of fun material as far as, like, when you think of, like, Elvis or any sort of, like, celebrity movie where they have to sort of jump around location-wise. Like, you can go to the set of uh, Princess Bride and stuff like that with Andre, which could be really fun. And I've got the perfect Andre. I didn't, I didn't see this movie, but um, when Brendan Fraser kind of revitalized his career with Whale, he played, like, a 600-pound guy. And it's like, oh, wow, Brendan Fraser, he can do comedy, but he can also do this serious role. You'd have to do a little bit of prosthetics, and probably, I mean, height-wise, I think he would only be an inch or two off. I would, and his voice is similar, Brad Garrett. I could definitely see that. That was who I feel like I imagined in my head when you said yeah, Andre. like, maybe lifts a little, you know, a little bit of prosthetic. But it's like, oh, he does comedy. We know him from as uh, Ray Romano's brother. But it's like, oh, he does this serious role where he's like having a match, uh, you know, in Madison Square Garden or in Japan. And then he goes back to the hotel and he's just constantly in pain because his uh, his disorder or whatever you call it. But anyway, that was just a fun little aside. Oh, just one one more thing on the Iron Club before we get off of it. Um. I think if I hadn't seen The Dark Side of the Ring before seeing The Iron Claw, I would have liked the movie a lot more. I think because I knew so much of the true story from seeing it, and the movie is so close to the true story, that that kind of just like also held it back a little bit for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw another thing. Jeremy Allen White, I know some people said he was too small to be Carrie, and he probably was, and Carrie was also gigantic, but he should have been Wonka. I'm just going to say that. Mm. I could definitely see that. Uh, where were we? Oh, yeah, that was your number 10, was number right? Both of us, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, I guess I'll go to number 9. All right. Uh, it was a rough year for these genre of movies, but uh, a couple made the cut. Number 9 is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's uh, uh, a... Very... <laughs> go ahead. I, I thought it was a very satisfying conclusion. I loved... I mean, look, when you compare High Evolutionary and Kang, and I'm comparing them because they both came out this year, not because they're black, but uh, High Evolutionary to me was so much better done than Kang. And, yeah, they maybe they'll recast Kang. I don't know. But uh, I'm glad that High Evolutionary did not die. Hopefully we see more of him. 
I the rumors is like Kang saved him, which I could see that I guess. But uh, yeah, just a satisfying conclusion. Liked the action a lot. This was a fun trilogy. I see that was my number one most anticipated coming into this year because I love the first Guardians. I love the second Guardians. But I was actually going to put this number 10 on my worst movie. Not because I think it's bad, just because it was so underwhelming to me. Because, like, the end of Guardians Volume 2 wrecks me every single time. When they have Yondu's funeral and they play father and son, it kills me. And then nothing in this one made me that emotional. Like, they teased it with the rocket and with the friends' deaths and stuff. But I feel like it just didn't hit the same way. Like I expected them to kill off at least somebody from the crew or completely split them or do something that would really move me to tears. And they didn't. And that's what really killed it for me. And I also didn't think it was as funny as the first two. And the music choices to me weren't as good as the first. Like to me, it was just everything about volume three kind of felt like James Gunn being like, all right, let's get it done. Let's move on. I'm out of here. Like, it didn't feel like it had the same passion behind it that 1 and 2 did to me. Maybe that was just the way that I approached it, but maybe my expectations were too high. But I'd put that as number 10 on my worst because it was just wow. deflating for me. Like I said, it wasn't even that it was that bad. It was just deflating, and deflating to me is bad. Everything kind of gets judged based off expectations. And yeah. I did like it, or sorry, I did like 2 better than 3, if that's worth anything, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, like I said, I loved I loved two, and I liked one a lot too. But just three didn't do it for me. Your uh, number nine movie? Or, no, uh, wait, are we doing? I said, do you want to do? do yeah, wanna... we yeah. forgot. We already went out of order. Yeah. <laughs> All we right. both did number ten good. Uh, so you did number nine good. My All number right. nine good is. Let me just double check my list one more time. Um. Because you mentioned Brad Garrett, I'll go ahead and put this in number nine. Um, this is another one of those movies that I hadn't heard of until I saw it. Didn't really know what it was. Didn't see any ads for it or anything. But Ray Romano, I think, both wrote and directed a movie called Somewhere in Queens. And I wasn't a fan of Everybody Loves Raymond. I'm not a fan of his comedy. Like He doesn't usually do it for me. But this movie was great. It's Ray Romano's in a family who uh, does construction. And it's his son is like this star basketball player who's being heavily recruited by colleges and stuff. But then the son's conflicted about does he want to go to does he want to keep playing basketball? He real what he really likes is poetry. But it's a very fun family sort of movie that gets kind of heavy at times too. But it's uh the casting is great. It's Ray Romano. It's Laurie Metcalf, and um, it's a I think it's I think he's a new kid. I haven't seen him in anything else. A kid Jacob Ward plays his son. And it's just a great movie all around. It's it's really emotional, but also very, very funny. Um, extra relatable, which always is going to make me more fond of movies. But Somewhere in Queens would be my number nine. I did like that a lot. And I, I knew, like, if you lived in Queens or were, like, an Italian family, you'd probably prefer this more, or at least lived in New York. But uh, I did follow, uh, what's her name, Sadie Stanley on uh, Instagram afterwards. Mm. Uh, All right, we'll just do uh, 9 and 10 on worse since we already screwed up. <laughs> all right. Uh, so my number 10... Oh, sorry, honorable mentions for worst. Only uh, only two. I decided to be a little nice. Uh, the, uh, number one honorable mention is The Machine. I'm not like a huge Burt Kreischer fan. His 
he's it's okay. Uh, the plot was kind of sort of intriguing, but I did not laugh, and that I think that was the goal. That would be that. That's my number nine on my worst. I don't have honorable mentions for worst because I like most movies, but that would be number nine on my worst. So I'll just uh, say, uh, whatever you're gonna say. Well, my other one, I know you, uh, I think, kind of liked it, but uh, I thought uh, Leave the World Behind. I agree that the ending was funny, but it just to me also felt like a huge cop out, and like they build it up so well. And they just didn't have like the payoff. It was pretty much just uh, them saying, "Well, could could be this," and then we're just never told what it is. So uh, I thought that was kind of annoying. But yeah, that that didn't make my uh, it didn't make my best or my honorable mention. I enjoyed it a lot though, mostly for the end scene, which I thought was really funny. But I'm, I could see I could see I could see why you wouldn't like it. I wanted it to stick to landing so bad, but uh, so my number ten movie though. This movie was good, not great, and then the final scene happened, and it completely took me out of the movie. It is Creed 3. I liked the Rocky movies. I liked the other two Creeds. When they start their fight, and then the crowd disappears, and then these CGI jail cells come up, I was like, no, 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 movie, no. This is not good. Like... I'm not saying you have to be like all the Rocky movies and just do slow-mo and everything, but the director made a choice, and uh, it just completely took me out of it. I'm like, it just brought me back to those stupid, like, Uso promos when, like, the jail door would come on the screen. I'm like, no, no, this is not good. You don't need to do this. Uh, Didn't Michael B. Jordan direct it also? He may have, yeah. But, yeah... I wouldn't. I would say that was enough, that was one of those movies that just fell sort of in the middle for me, where I was like, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really great or really terrible. It's just there. A lot of these movies on my list are just going to be very meh. Yeah. Other than number one, I didn't hate any of them. I would say I, I think even on mine too, it's it's hard for me to really hate a movie because usually even bad movies I can find something fun about. But yeah, I, I covered my ten and nine with uh, Guardians Volume Three and then The Machine for worst. My number nine is a Netflix movie, and it started off funny, but then just stopped, and it is You People. So, again, had some funny moments, but I felt like the two funniest people in the movie, Eddie Murphy and Julia Louise Dreyfus, completely wasted. Eddie Murphy's character was like a jerk, like he wasn't likable at all, and... The movie actually had a chance to make, like, a strong commentary, like, on race relations, and then it was like... No, we're just going to go with the stereotypes that everybody goes with. And the chemistry... I, I had I thought this was like a joke. Because the chemistry between Jonah Hill and Lauren London was bad. <laughs> and there was like some like, oh, they had to use CGI for their kiss at the end. I was like, no, this, it, that's ridiculous. Like, it was just a joke on how bad their chemistry was. No, they really <laughs> use CGI on their kiss. And it's like, maybe... Just find someone with good chemistry with Jonah Hill instead of doing a CGI. That's like a sign of, like, we don't have the right person. Yeah, I hadn't seen that one, but it, it, I heard that, too, and it sounded terrible to me. Yeah, it's, there were some funny moments, but then it just... I don't know. Like, they, like I said, they had a chance to have this good social commentary, and then it's pretty much like, nope. You're right. Everything you say about white people is correct. We're terrible. And it's like, what? No. Movie? No. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't... 
Didn't do it for me. All right, so are we up to eighth best? Eighth best, yes. Talked about it a little bit, but uh, our final movie of the year, Poor Things. Hmm. And it's funny, while I'm watching it, because I don't like weird movies, like Shape of Water, for instance, hated it. <laughs> and I'm watching it, and I'm like, this might be in my bottom ten. And then I was like, no, this might be an honorable mention. And now it's number eight. But yeah, it was really good visually. I loved it. Mark Ruffalo's character, I, like I absolutely loved his character. He was so funny, and um, yeah, he was great. The whole, the yeah. whole that was probably the best cast movie, start like top to bottom. Everybody played their role like perfectly in that. Yeah, and it's like we all know someone who's like pursuing a girl is wrong for them, but then he just cranks it up to eleven, and it was <laughs> so enjoyable and. Yeah, I just, uh, I loved it, and it, the ending, the last, the very last scene, I was like, eh, a little strange, but I do like that they were like, oh, it's gonna be, uh, Willem Dafoe's character in the, the general, and it's like, nope, just kidding, so. Yeah, that's that's where I thought they were going. Yeah, I liked that twist, but then I was like, this is also weird, (laughs) like, two things can be true. (laughs) But yeah, number eight. That was a fun one. Um, for me, number eight, just because we had started talking about it before, I'll go with Air. Um, I never thought I'd like it that much because I'm not a Jordan. I'm not a sneakerhead at all. I've, I don't think I've ever actually owned a pair of Jordans, even though I loved Jordan as a kid. Um, but again, it's one of those movies where I guess it's it's more how you tell the story than necessarily what the story you tell is. And that was told really well. They really got me hooked into the characters and really buying into Phil Knight and everybody else involved in Nike. And I was just shocked at how well that, that whole thing played. Um, I was kind of glad, too, that they didn't really ever show the Jordan, because I feel like that could have easily been the Ric Flair sort of thing to take it apart. I agree, yeah. But um, that that's actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I hadn't thought about it uh, before, but that's kind of the way they should have treated Ric Flair in the Iron Claw. Like, just don't show, just don't show him. Um, but yeah, Air, Air was my list, because... Uh, yeah, was, I feel like it felt uplifting and inspirational, even though it's about these people who you know became billionaire shoe people. And I feel like that's a very hard thing to do, to get me to really care about and root for these people who you know ended up filthy, disgusting, rich. I agree. I really liked it a lot. Like I said, it'd be my 11. So, uh, number eight worst, I suspect this might be on your list, maybe. I have uh, the Meg 2. Um, yeah, that was gonna be in my top. That was gonna be in my top three. <laughs> worst, because uh, I, I just want to preface this by saying I love the Meg. Like I, the I did too. I did too. Fun than I thought it was gonna be. It that's another movie that like I never expected to get emotional in, but I feel like it got me welled up a little bit. But my God, the Meg Two was just terrible at everything. Yeah, so bad. My. F- I won't even get into much of it. It's just not worth talking about. But my the one scene where they're like, and it's especially funny because we had the uh, the little submarine like got too deep and then like the pressure busted and killed the people in the Titanic thing. And it's like, well, all they had to do was just like blow out their sinuses and then their blood comes out their nose and then you're fine. And I was like watching that like, what? <laughs> like none of that is true. <laughs> it's one of the most goofy scenes I think I've ever seen. I just don't know how that movie lost any... Like, the first one had heart and had humor, and the second one was just nothing. It felt like they just made it 
just to cater to China, if we're being honest. Not yeah. to turn into like a whole China thing, but like it's really like China's actually good. That's kind of yeah, where it I was. Said, I don't even know who it was for. It just felt like it was like uh, everybody who liked the first one will see this, so let's just do it again with yeah, no we're, effort. We're trying to make it big in China was really what it was. Low effort, low energy. Mm-hmm. Number seven. Good movie. I think this one will be on your list. I'm hoping we have a match. That would be that'd make things easier. Is uh, a man called Otto? Yes, I'll put it. You know what? I'll put it in that same spot because I hadn't determined my list yet. But I'll. Right. Good. So going in, I was like, oh, it's going to be Tom Hanks is this grumpy old man, and he's going to meet a child, and he's going to be like, oh, I'm not grumpy anymore. But no, it's really dark, serious riveting right at the start the first scene is him buying rope and that's when i was like all right before i even knew what he was like i knew what he was going to do with it before he even did it and i was like this movie is not the movie that i thought it was going to be this is so much darker see i didn't even think that i mean because he was arguing with the hardware people and it was very much like uh like hank hill when he was at megalomart like where can i get a tap and die like what is that like okay where would i get a hammer they're like what do you need that for it's like, but, uh, no, and then he was like tying the rope. I'm like, oh, okay, that's where this movie's going. So it, uh, it threw me for a bit of a loop, but, uh, it wasn't what I thought. And that's a good thing because the other one sounds very generic, but yeah. Yeah. I would say, so obviously for people who haven't seen it, the whole premise of the movie is that, uh, Tom Hanks loses his wife, doesn't know how to live alone for retirement tries and tries to kill himself multiple yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the new neighbors have to sort of try to break through to him and whatever, and then it gets all sappy and kind of cliche. But still, Tom Hanks, multiple suicide attempts in what was seemed from the trailer like a family-friendly, almost a holiday movie, which absolutely is not. Yeah. Uh, number seven worst. I feel guilty because this is the first movie in theaters I saw with my now fiancé. It's uh, 65. Oh, that Look. was going to be my number one. <laughs> oh, really? So I hated that abomination of a movie. I don't ask for much when I saw the trailer. I was like, here's what I want. I want Adam Driver killing dinosaurs with futuristic guns, which I barely got. And I want dinosaurs killing people in their natural environment. Because people were like, oh, it's a Jurassic Park ripoff. I'm like, no, just because it has dinosaurs does not make it a Jurassic Park ripoff. No. The premise was actually quite clever. And I even give credit the twist of like they the reason their ship crashed is because it got hit by a meteor, because uh, the big meteor that hit the Earth to kill the dinosaurs was right behind it. And I was like, that's clever. I, I like that. And then it's like only two passengers lived. It was Adam Driver and this little kid, which the kid didn't speak English. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but the fact that there's two characters in the movie and they can't communicate, I found very annoying rather than charming. And it's like, this would have been so easy. Just have, like, three or four other passengers live. Make one of those passengers, like, a jerk, who's like, you don't know what you're doing. You just got us crashed here. And then he's the one who gets the satisfying death where, like, two Tyrannosauruses rip him in half. It could have been such a fun movie. And, like, two other passengers are just cannon fodder. It could have been a fun movie. So we barely get Adam Driver vs. Dinosaurs. And we get no human casualties. You also needed more people to play off of, I feel like, because they tried to put forward that whole idea of, like, 
her they almost played it like the good dinosaur the disney movie um which was like 65 done well but they they tried to do a similar sort of concept of like where it was like all right this girl's missing her family adam driver's missing his daughter like but i feel like there wasn't enough there to sort of play off of to really build the emotion within it like it's like on paper that sounds like a great idea and me being a girl dad like that should have ripped my heart out but they just did a bad job handling it yeah, this could have been just a, a fun, dumb movie, and instead I was just like, so... it. I will say, unlike my number one movie, it's only an hour and a half, it zooms by. I'll give it credit for that. Yeah, to me it felt like it crawled. Okay. <laughs> <despite> <laughs> well, there's basically no action in the whole movie, and it all sucks. And I, it, It's hard, too, because I'm also... I know I said I'd cast him as, as Canyon. I just generally don't like Adam Driver, which didn't help either. But I also feel like it would have been bad no matter who was in it, and if I liked him or not. I thought he was all right in Ferrari. Yeah, if, well, Ferrari was probably the most I've enjoyed him in anything in a long time. I thought he was good in Marriage Story also, but that's because when he like he basically has to be able to play an a-hole to, like... And House of Gucci, also of, an a-hole. Yeah. Uh, number six for best. Another one. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm. This is look. It's not super. It, it's my it's, number four. So I'll just yeah right. get that out of the way now. It's not superhero fatigue. It's just Marvel can no longer slap their logo on a movie and make a billion dollars. It's just lazy superhero movie fatigue. And this movie was incredible. Uh, I'm. It sucks that you have to wait for like 2025 to see the sequel, but I love this movie comedy. The ending twist, I thought, was really well done. Visually, it's really awesome. I mean, action was great. I just, I really love this movie. I, it might even be higher on the list, but I had, like, teenagers going in and out of the theater, like how that goes, where it's, like, <clears throat> seven, eight times. It's like, well, you idiots just sit down. Like, you're really... But, yeah, um, that was my one... Actually, I had two notable theater experiences. That was one of them. But yeah, I loved I love Spider Verse also. Um, like you already said, the the art in it is great. I actually have two animated movies in my top five because of just that. Um, but the art was great. The music choices in it is always good, and like you said, the story is really interesting. Like when he ends up seeing himself at the end, and then it's the uncle and everything. It's like whoa, okay, this is getting this is getting good. And then the, 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 that's what was it. It felt almost pro, like perfect pro wrestling to me. Where to me, the best pro wrestling is like, oh man, that was really fun. I can't wait to see what happens next. And that's like the exact sort of ending that's, that uh, Spider-Verse had. And so I'm really hoping they, they stick the landing with the second part, because if they Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is, I'm going to be very upset. I hope not, but uh, yeah, I think the actor's strike pushed it back and everything. So uh, Number six, worst. Uh, I think this will not be in either of your lists, but I think it might. Uh, but I have uh, Exorcist Believer. I just... I it liked it. Yeah, I just... I, I couldn't... I don't know. It was... Like, to, when I... If you want a proper demonic possession, I just thought Nefarious was good, and although it's just a conversation-based movie, but... Yes. Yeah, this was... Um, I, I don't know. It's just... It was too Hollywoodish for me. Uh, it I don't know. 
I wasn't uh I wasn't gripped with it. It was uh to me it's like, oh, we got the lady from the first exorcist. Come see it. And... To me to me the only thing that I that I would have done differently with it cuz I liked it a lot. I love the idea that it's a a demonic possession movie that deals with faith and like how religious do you even really have to be? I thought that was an interesting wrinkle that it's not just like, oh, Catholicism cures everything in the end. Um, but I did, the only thing that I would have switched is I really expected the, uh, I forget who the main character was now, but I, I expected him to pick the other daughter to live and like sacrifice, like this way. I thought he was going to pick the other daughter to live this way. His daughter could basically then be in heaven with her mom. And then that's sort of what I thought the kind of like ending was going to be. And then it's going to be, you know, him living with that guilt or whatever. Something that I thought like could have been done a little bit differently or that then like his daughter would have been saved because he picked the other daughter. Almost like, you know, a gotcha sort of thing. But I was a little surprised with that, but I didn't think it was a bad movie. I liked the movie overall. I hate most horror movies like that. Well, uh, number five best, I talked about Iron Claw. Um, so I'll just go to your number five best. Um, I think you already mentioned yours, too. I don't uh, think I gave my number six yet for best. Um, no, I don't think I did. Oh, I'm jumping all over the place, then. <laughs> uh, so for my number six best, I'm going to go with Saltburn. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I have not. So, the whole movie is framed as this poor kid gets sort of, poor awkward kid gets accepted into this rich family by befriending one of the uh, brothers in it. And then it's all about him living in this sort of gigantic, like, Versailles type, or maybe not Versailles level, but like this big mansion in England with this rich family. But then it gets all sorts of weird twists and turns in it. Um, this one I actually won't spoil because I, I want you to see it. But it, it gets a very Twilight Zone feel to the end. And there's a twist in the end where I was like, I love when there's twists that also make sense. I think sometimes movies do, like to me, Hereditary was a twist that just felt like a lazy cop-out. This felt like it was a twist that maybe was a little bit of a cop-out, but also made the whole entire movie make more sense, unlike Hereditary, where I feel like it made it make less sense. And I loved it for just that. The scenes were brutal. Um, not brutal in violence, but brutal in like a, oh, that's so gross, how could you do that? Um, there was a very famous one that got discussed on Twitter even before I saw it, where uh, the main character, um, how can I put this in the most PG way possible? <laughs> licks the product of another man um, out of a bathtub. Ooh. And somehow that was not the grossest scene in the movie. Hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll leave you with that. But that would have been my number six for best movie of the year. I thought it was really fun. It was like the, it was the way that I've described it. It's kind of like the best, uh, the best melding of great Gatsby and twilight zone. Well, and, you had, you had me at twilight zone. I love that show. Yeah. The old one, but it feels like it, it feels like it's Great Gatsby and Twilight Zone, or like Nightmare Alley um, from a couple years ago, which was very Twilight Zone-ish to me. Um, so that would be my number six for best. All right, and then number five since I did my kind of Iron Claw. Um, my number five best would be. Let me see what I'm missing so far. I got that. 
Um, all right. My number five best is going to be Godzilla minus one. All right. Because I thought that was just tremendous all the way through. I saw the hype it was getting before I saw it, and I was like, all right, there's no way this is going to live up to it. And sure enough, it did, because obviously it had Godzilla, and Godzilla's the big attraction in the movie. But it really is a character-driven movie where you're invested into the main character, and you want the main character to succeed and defeat Godzilla, which I feel like is a hard thing to do in any sort of movie where, you know, it has a big monster-type character in it, because that's the big draw. Like, you don't want to see King Kong lose, you don't want to see Godzilla lose, but... In this case, I found myself rooting against Godzilla and 100% for the guy. Um, I love the idea of the kamikaze pilots and him feeling guilty about like about living through it. And the whole movie kind of breaking down, like the whole idea of Japanese like honor killings and stuff and the honorable death and what that really even means. And do you even want to fight for a country that doesn't ultimately care about you individually anyway? And to be able to get that out of a giant lizard monster movie was just insane to me. So that's top five for me. It'll be on my list later on. I will say this. I loved the inclusion. I'm not going to forget. It was was the early 90s. Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, maybe. It discussed Godzilla's origin where he was... It was a wacky movie where, like, they do time travel with aliens, and it's, like, a complete Terminator ripoff because it was came out in the early 90s, but they had, like, this bad Arnold Schwarzenegger, but um, Ric Flair in Iron Claw Bad. But uh, they did include that Godzilla was just, like, this abnormally large monster on an island, but not, like, could destroy a city. And then I like that they called that back in this one. But, yeah, uh I'll tell. I'll do more later on, but. Uh, oh, I feel like I feel like we've gone away from our worst for a little while. No. Oh yeah, my number five worst. I got it right here. It's uh, again, a lot of these are just meh. Exorcist, I thought was meh. Number five, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, I thought was meh. Uh, I I watch a YouTuber, uh, Jeremy something, I forget his name, but he listed this as his worst movie of the year. I think that's a little taking it too far, but I wanted a good final send-off for Indiana Jones, and instead we just got grumpy, get-off-my-lawn indie. I thought the female sidekick was really unlikable. Uh, The plot... Like, Indiana Jones has always gotten crazy with their plots, but to me, the time travel was just, like... It didn't fit for me. And the fact that it's like, oh, we just happened to land in Archimedes, and that just happens to be your favorite person ever and i'm like oh what are the odds i did like that they the archimedes the people at that time thought that the the airplanes were dragons that was funny but i was like this is very goofy and like i'm watching the movie and mads mickelson gets blasted with that sign and he's, he's on top of the train i'm like huh i thought he was the main villain in this movie and then he's just back in the next scene without a scratch on him like no that would kill you it would probably explode your body but okay fine movie whatever but yeah indiana jones just being grumpy i didn't i didn't like it just re they should have just recast his son because people didn't like uh was it shia labeouf just recast his son and do it that way because indy couldn't really do much action wise 
And one last thing, having been to the Philippines and ridden in one of those little three-wheel tuk-tuks, I think they're called, uh, they don't go that fast. <laughs> they're very, I, like, 20 miles an hour tops. I saw it. I thought it was okay. Again, not not best, not worst. Um, but for my, my worst list, uh, I only... I think I only set up to nine so far, and then I told you number one and number three. Um, so I'll just do a very quick rundown of what I've missed. Um, number eight, I would say, was Quantum Mania, just because I feel like it had so much potential and just underdelivered. Yeah, um, it, 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 would, thing, like it would be borderline honorable mention worse for me. Yeah, I mean the good the good thing of it was all right, you introduced Kang, but I felt like the whole rest of the movie was kind of unnecessary. It didn't. It just again. I feel like a lot of the Marvel movies have kind of just been disappointments where they're not even terrible. They're just not nearly as good as they could or should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be my number eight. My number seven is one that almost made my best list because it's one of those movies that's so bad it's good, and that's The Expendables Four. <laughs> the only reason it stayed on my best on my worst list instead of my best list because it was really funny. It actually had a surprising amount of heart for it, but. It literally had the worst visual effects Oof, I've ever yeah. seen in any movie. And I get that they had to blow most of their budget on cast, but my God, did the movie look terrible. Like it, it looks like they're standing in front of a green screen for basically the entire film, and that really takes me out of anything else. On top of the fact that the whole story is just ridiculous, that it's all these old people, um, all these old people trying to be acting heroes, though. So. But uh, that would be my number seven. My number six, um, I'm going to give it to Mafia Mama. Oh, that looked so bad. <laughs> it was. It's a it's a concept that could have been really funny. Because it's Tony Collette. I believe it's Tony Collette, who's good in just about everything else but this. Um, and I don't even know if she was so bad. It's more just the way it was written and the premise of the movie. But the pre- it's a funny premise because it's... Uh, She's just a regular woman uh, working in Jersey. I forget if she's a housewife or not, but I know, like, early in the movie, she sees her husband cheating on her. Um, so I think he's maybe a professor or band thing. I don't remember what, what he even is. But she ends up getting the news that her grandfather, I think it was, in Sicily, died and left his whole estate to her. And, of course, he's, like, the head of a mafia family. And so she now, this American white woman, has to go to Italy and become the new head of a crime family, which, like I said, could be really funny and shenanigan-filled, but instead just kind of becomes lazy and peters off really quickly. Um, that'd be my number six. Number five, this is another movie that, like, I think could have easily been good and should have been good, and that's Silent Night. It was an interesting concept to me because there's basically no dialogue for the whole movie. And it's a John Woo movie, and I feel like those two things together sound like, all right, this will be fun. But it just, and it's and it's another movie too that deals with father daughter stuff because it's a guy who loses his daughter. Um, she gets killed in a drive by on or either on or right around Christmas, and it's then him trying to get his revenge with, like I said, no dialogue because he loses his voice box, he gets shot in the throat. Um. And it's all an interesting idea, but I feel like the, to me, the, like, score of the movie should have really stepped up to help with no dialogue, and I feel like it didn't, and the action should have been really unique and different to go with it. And there was some scenes of it, but just not enough to really be like, wow, this was such a cool, unique concept. So Silent Night would be my, uh, 
my number five worse. And I'll go back to you now. I guess we're doing uh, the fourth best. Is that where we are? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're fourth best and worse now. All right. Fourth best. I have. Uh, I don't have a ton to say on this one, other than I thought it was an amazing conclusion. It's uh, John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, that was a gr- yeah, just a great action film start to finish. I love that they gave the character a proper conclusion. Like, this is how the character should have ended. And it's not like, oh, maybe he'll be back? I don't know. But it's just, it's it, it, it is kind of more the same. But when the more the same is really, really good, I'm okay with that. Side note, I gave their TV show a, a try. It just, I don't know what that was. That, I gave one episode, I was like, no, this ain't it. But uh, I, I haven't tried that yet, but it seemed yeah. it, The concept of a TV show is good. I just, it didn't feel John Wick at all to me on the show. Maybe I need to give it more, um, more time. But one episode in, I'm like, this is not John Wick. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's my number four. All right, uh, my number four we already talked about was Across the Spider-Verse for number four best. Um, so I'll just give you number four worst for me. And that was a movie called... Hmm, which of these two do I want to go with? I'm going to go with another movie that... I feel like the, the theme with my bad movies is that they're all movies that could have been good. So this is a movie called Sweetwater. And it's about a guy who... I think he was one of four black players who integrated the NBA. They, I think, all came in at the same time. But he specifically was pulled from the Globetrotters. And the guy who played Sweetwater was good. The story is pretty interesting. But Jeremy Piven plays... I forget who he plays, but he plays basically the guy who, like, pulled him... I don't know if he plays the coach of the Globetrotters or the guy from the Knicks, whoever he plays. But Jeremy Piven is just terrible in it. Um... And he acts really poorly. His He speaks very strangely. And he kind of takes me out of the movie. And then also the, the shots of it. Like, I know the garden then wasn't the garden now. Because uh, Sweetwater gets pulled to the mix. But I feel like the arena that they used looked like a, just a high school arena. It didn't look like even what the old, old garden looked like. It, like the games looked very small on the screen. And that kind of took me out of it, too. But it, it, was, it wasn't it was a bad... Like, it's an interesting story, just, again, handled very poorly. So Sweetwater would be my number four bad movie. Uh, my number four worst is a uh, streaming movie, Rebel Moon Part 1. <laughs> so I know that, like, they didn't want... Disney didn't want to do a Star Wars rated R movie. But I also feel like Zack Snyder comes into their office, hands them the script... And they notice there's no action in the first, I think it was 33 minutes of the movie. And they're like, have you ever seen a Star Wars movie? And I'm not like the biggest Star Wars fan, but I do like the original three and like Rogue One I liked. The rest are okay, I guess. Mandalorian's good, but it's like, I've never, even the bad Star Wars, it's like there's action within a 33 of the minutes of the movie starting. And it's, so... Again, boring. It felt like a video game where you're going around like collecting party members, where it's like, oh, they look, this guy looks different, so he brings this to the table, and this person looks different. There's like a scene where they ride this griffin, which I guess is kind of cool and like a tribute to heavy metal, which is fine, but then the griffin never shows up again. It's like, what's the point? 
And it felt like Zack Snyder did not remove things that, like, he clearly had this penciled to be a Star Wars movie. And it's like, there were things in the movie where it's like, oh, we'll just, just change it a little slightly. Like, there's this robot that, like, looks like a human, talks like one, and it's like, oh, that's that's not C-3PO. No, he's silver. C-3PO's gold. Or the stormtroopers look there. It's like, oh, but they're green. The stormtroopers are white. And the most egregious of all, it's like, oh, no, no, no. That's a red glowing sword. It's not a lightsaber. Why would you think that? It's a sword, but it glows. If it's not a lightsaber, like, that's crazy. And it just, it looked, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, and the, the apparently suspenders and ties are also a fashion in space. That was, I thought was very strange, but, uh, over, I mean, the world building was okay. Um, I, it was a little strange that like this giant uh, and everybody's made the comparison to a vagina. The the enemy ship enters in like a wormhole that looks exactly like a vagina, and it's like they come to this small planet and they're like looking for grains. It's like this giant empire can't like come up with some crops. I don't know. That was a little strange, but uh, uh, and and I I. I absolutely despise the fact that it's like, oh, this wasn't my true vision. You'll have to wait for the director's cut for that. It's like, no, no, you don't get to do two movies for one anymore. I'm putting a stop to that. Isn't stop. that the story of Zack Snyder's career, though? Every yeah, it's like, oh, well, then you gotta it's see like, the director's no, 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 cut. This isn't me. You gotta get the Snyder cut. Yeah, like, no, no. He's the most cop-out filled director I've ever seen. It's, yeah. And I will say this, they're actually, if this was like an eight episode one hour a piece where the characters only the main character gets a backstory the rest it's like oh we're collecting this guy and here's what he does and that's why you should care and it's like i don't know anything about him but it's like if, if this was like an eight episodes tv series and you eliminated the obvious star wars parallel like oh well the villain has the blue lightsaber and the hero has the red one so it's a little different no get rid of the glowing swords get rid of the c-3po looking thing uh, get rid of the, the guards that look like stormtroopers. Get rid of the villain that looks like generic Star Wars general slash Nazi. But get rid of that. Make it a TV show. It might actually be good. But as a movie, no. This did not work. And the most interesting character, Charlie Hunnam, he ends up being a traitor and gets killed. So, so much for that. But yeah. Uh, just uh, it's, uh, boring is the most that's the the main part of it. It's like I just it's going around collecting people. It was the bulk of the movie and uh lost interest. I think we could both assume that uh the next Dune will be on both of our bottom lists next year. <laughs> um you know, I, I I'll see it because of the this this reason of this podcast, but uh Cause I feel the, tra- like the trailer looks. Uh, I hate that I'm getting like excited because I'm like the trailer looks good. Yeah. But I, I just don't want it to be about, like the first one. Everything you're saying about Rebel Moon feels very reminiscent of the first Dune movie to me. Yeah, I mean, it's different because Dune was longer and I was in a theater, so I couldn't pause and everything. But uh, yeah, this was. Uh, no good. Anyway, third best. Um, this was one of your honorable mentions. I thought it might make your top ten. And for a long port, I would say once I 
saw a good chunk of movies, I started keeping track of which one's my number one. Because the first movie I saw this year was Plane. And uh, I was <laughs> like, okay, it's, it, it was fun, but it's not going to be my number one. But it's like... I forgot well, about that. I think I saw that technically last year. So yeah, The longest ranking uh, champion that was reigning number one was probably this. It did not finish number one, but it was the most months of number one. And it was uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I had the same reaction. I saw the trailer, and I was like, eh, I guess. And then I remember, I didn't see the first Dungeons and Dragons. I knew it sucked. I knew these weren't related, but I was like, okay, we're trying this again. And then the reviews started to pour in, and it's like getting low 90s on Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, huh, okay. (laughs) And then I watch it, and I'm like, it should have been high 90s. Like, I loved it. It was funny. The action was great. It was unique. The world building was great. And I laughed more in this movie than I did any movie all year with one scene when the dude was walking away and he's walking in a complete straight line and they're like, well, there's a rock. What's he going to do? Is he going to walk around it? And he just walks over the rock. <laughs> it's it's so stupid, but I just, I was in tears watching that and I could not breathe. It was, the, it got me the biggest laugh all year, more than Barbie. Uh, although Barbie was funnier overall, but uh, yeah, this was, uh, I, I, I was like, I guess we're just going to have Dungeons and Dragons be my number one movie. And then, I saw two other movies, but number three. Yeah, um, I was say I was big on it too, because um, I'm also big on like the Deadpool two um, thing where Cable sacrifices going back to see his daughter. I love any movie where people make a like where people have to make a choice and then sacrifice like one thing that they love for somebody else or for something else. And I was surprised when they had that part in Dungeons and Dragons, but I liked it a lot too. Um, my number three good, I already talked about it, we both talked about it, was Barbie. Like I said, yeah. one of the only movies I chose to see multiple times, but we already talked about that earlier. Just great. Oh, so much better than it had any right to be. So, my number three worst, and, um... Oh, sorry, just to cut you off, my number three oh. worst, uh, just to reset, my number three worst was Meg 2, The Trench, which we talked about. Which one? Meg 2. Oh, Meg 2, yeah, okay. Yeah, well-deserved. Uh, my number three worst, <sighs> it's uh, The Little Mermaid. I, uh, and, and look, I saw the trailer, my reaction when they were like, oh, it's a black Little Mermaid, Ariel's white. Mermaids aren't real, Ariel's not real. <laughs> now, if Disney were making a Queen Elizabeth movie and cast Queen Latifah, okay, you'd have an argument. Although, I did just say Jay Lethal should play Ric Flair, but. That, that the Ric Flair was so bad, that's how much I wanted. But um, Halle, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call her Halle Berry. I know I will. But Haley Bailey, Halle Bailey. See, I already messed up. Haley Bailey, Halle. Damn it, <laughs> Bailey. I'm just gonna call her Bailey. I actually thought she was the best part of the movie. Um, I thought she was an incredible singer. I thought her acting was really great, but. Her sea creature fins, I thought, were so annoying. I don't remember their names. The fish, the seagull, um, who was played by Aquafina. I thought she was really obnoxious, the most obnoxious. Uh, the crab, Sebastian, I think. Or, yeah, Flounder. I don't remember. But they were annoying. There were so many songs. Like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, we're doing another song. And it's like, the original Little Mermaid didn't have this many songs. And I was very annoyed. And then, 
the most disinterested king in any movie ever. This guy could have cared less about any of this stuff. He was, com- I forget who played him, but he was completely, like, mailing it in. And, yeah, just not good. Um, I I could agree with that. I didn't, again, I didn't have a long worst list, but that probably would have been honorable mention worst for me, too. Because it also had the, it did the cardinal sin that I feel like a lot of Disney live-action movies do, of just being visually dull and boring and very sort of, like, one color, one note. Like, it felt like it was all very just beige, sand kind of color. Yeah. But I feel like part of the appeal of the original Little Mermaid is how kind of bright and colorful it is. And I think they kind of sucked all the life out of it for this one. And like you said, the, not only were the characters bad and sounded bad, I feel like they like looked bad too. Like the like it all the character all the animal characters looked awkward. Like Yep. And meanwhile some some of the Disney movies, the live action ones have grown on me because Veronica loves Aladdin and she loves the Lion King remakes. And even the Beauty and the Beast remake. And so all of those have kind of grown on me where I'm like, all right, these aren't as bad as I as I thought initially. And maybe this will be another one that's kind of like that, but I can't see it. It seems I just don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I would rank my tiers. I actually did think Beauty and the Beast was good. The, uh, animate, but the animated one was superior. Uh, by the way, Gaston, not a villain. He is uh, just a chivalrous guy who gave up his life to save a woman he loves from a monster. He didn't know that he was a uh, human. The dad told him he was, she was kidnapped by a monster. <laughs> Gaston was robbed. Maybe he's a little chauvinistic, but justice for Gaston. Anyway, um, the, the animated one was better, but I did like the live-action one. Uh, the rest, I was underwhelmed with Aladdin. Uh, Lion King, it's like, it's, it's CGI. It's hard to even call it live-action. Yeah. Um, I thought Mulan was really bad. I thought... Well, uh, but I know they took out some of the best music from it, which I was like, yeah. I kind of like Then this. they gave the ending was all different and weird. Um, Aladdin I was underwhelmed by because I thought Will Smith was a great choice for the genie and it was just okay. Yeah. Um, what's another one? Um, oh, Pinocchio was terrible. I didn't uh, see that, but I did see the Guillermo del Toro one and I thought that was very good. That should be. Uh, Snow White, we're off to a not-so-great start. Um, that's that's the only movie that I will go conservative on and be like, not that you have to necessarily cast a lily white girl, but there is something weird when you're casting, when you're first of all getting rid of the dwarves. So if I remember... Because Peter one, Dinklage said so, the king of the dwarves. Yeah, the, so the new one doesn't have the dwarves, which I feel like that would be one thing. But you went away from the dwarves, and you hired, you cast a girl who is most known for being a Puerto Rican gang member in a movie. Or not a Puerto Rican gang member, but a family member of a Puerto Rican gang. Like, her last starring role, or I don't know if it was her last starring role, but her probably biggest starring role was West Side Story, where she plays specifically the Puerto Rican girl. Like, so then cast Well, now it was uh, Hunger Games, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. But it's like, if that's who you're casting to be Snow White, like, it's literally mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all. And they pick, like, Gal Gadot, who's, like, one of the most gorgeous women in the world, like, oh, I'm I'm jealous of... But also, literally fair skin, like, light-skinned, like, I know that this girl is, like, brown or black or whatever, but I feel like Snow White is the one character that, if you're gonna do that, maybe just don't do it. Maybe just pick any other Disney movie, because you literally have 
dozens of princesses you could pick from. Redo, redo uh, Rapunzel again, with which I guess they, I don't know, did they sort of do that already? But like, redo I think, Rapunzel. Uh, I think Hercules is in the pipeline. You can make any of the other ones, any ethnicity you want, because it's literally not a part of their name and the main plot point of the story. But yeah. I'm still going to give Snow White a chance. Maybe they knock it out of the park anyway. Yeah, I think well, like I said, means, Hercules, I think, is in the pipeline after Snow White, which I'm looking forward to, but probably be let down by. Uh, I think Disney's... Here's the problem. Disney, and this is a case of two things can be true. If you're complaining that uh, they casted a black woman to play Ariel, who's not a real person, uh, <laughs> just get a life. Um, but also, I think Disney thinks they're being progressive when it's like, look at us. I mean, like... I laughed at King Triton's daughters when it's like literally every ethnicity. <laughs> I'm like, this dude, is he just going from like port to port? Like he's in the Navy? Like, oh, let me go to Japan and sleep with a mermaid. Let me go to Mexico and sleep with a mermaid. Let me go to Florida coast and sleep with a mermaid. It was just, I was, I thought that was funny. But I do think Disney, when they cast someone who's not white to play a role that people know for being white, they're just like, oh, we're so diverse. Look at us. It but they're not. Like... It's just fake diversity. It's like tell a if you tell like a Native American fairy tale and cat yeah. like be a, say, it. I, I, like, you know, it's like lazy pandering because it's like we don't yes. want to actually write a role for you. We just want to take something that we already have and put a new coat of paint on it. Yes, and like, act like we're doing something. Like I said, find uh, a uh, find a like an African fairy tale or find a Native American fairy tale. Or an Asian fairy tale. Make a movie so, about that. But don't be like, oh, well, it's going to be Ariel, but now she's black. And again, I, I gave her credit. She was the best part of the movie. But again, it's all just we're patting ourselves on the back. We're, we're so diverse. We're Disney. What, I, what Disney reminds me of is uh, I had mentioned it, I think, in my honorable mentions. But uh, the movie American Fiction, where the whole concept is it's this black guy who's a writer but he's having trouble selling his stuff. And then he sees that like this other woman who I think it's Issa Rae um, plays the other author writes in the very sort of like stereotypical um, ghetto black, like sort of hood dialect. I guess you would like, I don't know how else I can say it as a white guy without sounding offensive, but like, like she writes kind of like um, Sapphire wrote push. And it's, it's clearly not who she is as a person, but it's like, that's what sells. And in the movie, there's a funny scene. Cause um. Then the guy, the main black writer, um, he writes a story in the same sort of style where it's like he's pretending that he's uh, this hardened criminal with this um, past of growing up around drugs and gangs and whatever, um, just to sort of sell. And uh, the executives are like, "Yes, this is this is what we need to hear. This is black stories, this and that." And then there's a scene where they're um, like selecting for this award. And the panel is the, the black author who's who they don't know really wrote the book. Um, it's him, it's Issa Rae, and then it's uh, these two white guys, uh, this white guy and a white girl. And they're discussing the panels. And the two white people are like, well, we think it's really time that we hear black voices and support black voices to the black people who are like, this book fucking sucks. We don't like it. Like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, yeah, but you guys don't understand. We need to hear black voices. And that's what it feels like with Disney. Where it's like, it's all just pandering, and it's just like white people's opinion of what minorities actually want. Yeah, exactly. But again, two things can be true. If you're like making Little Mermaid the most disliked video on YouTube, like, get, mm. what do you, 
the, the movie wasn't even made for you. Like, get, get over yeah. it. But, um, oh, you yeah, number to middle-aged white men? <laughs> no. Uh, number two best. And I think this was one of your honorable mentions. I have uh, The Creator. I'm a big fan of world building. This had such great world building. There's so much you could do with this. I liked that it's like there was a war conflict, and it's like you could see it from both sides of America and Japan. And I'll I'll, I'll do a, a slight rant because the movie made like 20 million over its budget, give or take, which yeah. usually means uh, it lost money because of marketing. Yeah. Several years, I've heard, oh, Hollywood, they just make remakes, sequels, prequels, reboots, superhero movies. Okay, here's a movie that's none of those. Awesome world building, great effects, great action, uh, great uh, John David Washington, or, yeah, uh, one of my favorite up-and-coming actors. Uh, He would be my pick to be Kang, by the way. Loved all of it. And if you didn't see that, I don't want to hear you complaining about what Hollywood does or doesn't make. If you were able to, and if you have like three kids, I get it. Maybe wait till streaming. But <laughs> it's like if you if you complain about the president and you didn't vote, I don't want to hear it. If you did, if you had the means to see this movie and you didn't, and you're like, oh, Hollywood just just remakes, I don't want to hear it. Like this was everything that people didn't want uh, all these new Hollywood movies to be. I loved it. Absolutely loved it, and uh, I'm so mad that it probably won't get a sequel because it didn't make much money. Because the world building, it lends itself to so much stuff. Like, everything was so cool. The suicide robots I loved. I love the fact that you can reanimate someone 30 seconds after they're dead. That was fun. It's just, I, I loved it. it. And, yeah, again, the conflict where it's like, America's not wrong because they really did think that, like, Japan destroyed LA. So like, yeah, of course you're going to declare war. And Japan's like, no, it wasn't. It was a human error. My bad. But, uh, yeah, it was good. And like you mentioned, the AI stuff was fascinating, but it's great. Loved it. Go see it. Go see it, please. Uh, are we up to number two best? Yes. Number two best. My number two best is a movie. I said that there was two animated movies in my top five. I already had mentioned one. With uh, Spider-Verse. The other one was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Wow. That movie was – it's one of the other – it's the only other movie besides Barbie that I've seen multiple times. But I did not expect it to be nearly as good and fun as it was. Visually, they did a great job of making it look like a modernized version of the 80s cartoon. And – I just love everything about it. Like, there's this scene where they're uh, they're watching Ferris Bueller in the park, and I love that they have the actual footage from the real Ferris Bueller movie playing in the animated world. Little things like that really got me, like, visually that I thought was a really cool touch. I also thought it was just very funny. Um, I love how many modern references and how sort of up-to-date it is. I love the idea of the turtles being going from like these weird mutant outcasts to everybody loving them. And I just thought it was a great movie overall. Like there was, I have basically no notes for it. I think the turtles have been attempted to be redone so many times and so many times it's come up short or just been okay. And I thought this one really knocked it out of the park and I can't wait for a sequel. And I think they're doing a series in the same style. And that may be the first turtle series that I watched since I was a kid. 
I, uh, I, I'll have to rewatch it, which we will for the podcast. Uh, I remember liking it. I didn't love it, but then I feel like I also maybe missed something when I saw all of the uh, great reviews for it. Well, I also saw it. So the first time I saw it, I saw it in 4DX, which definitely made it more fun. But that that's why I wanted to see it a second time, too, because I was like, all right, did I just like it the first time because it was literally feeling like a ride the whole time? And then I rewatched it. And I was like, no, this is a really good movie. Also, on a side note, it looks like the Giants are about to win, and I'm going to tear my friggin' hair out if that happens. I don't even have any hair left. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm looking forward to the rewatch, because I, th- I think I'll like it more on the second watch. Sorry. Oh, they lost. <laughs> uh, number two worst. Whoops, where am I? Okay. Uh, we already talked about it a little bit. It's uh, Expendables 4. Mm. Uh, Expendables 2. I'll never forget. That's one of the like, top three most fun experiences I've had in a theater. I went with two friends. We were laughing, cheering. It was so much fun. This was not. Uh, Megan Fox was terrible. And you mentioned it. The CGI. I'm not even like a big CGI snob where I like, oh, this was bad. I mean, I gave Avatar my number, Avatar 2 my number 10 worst movie last year, and it looked gorgeous. So it doesn't... Great CGI doesn't really take me out of a movie. Or make a movie better, I should say. But bad CGI can, but I can usually ignore it. This was like, not that I watch these movies, but I've seen them. Movies on like that are made for the Sci-Fi Channel that are like made by the Sci-Fi Channel, where it's like, it's so bad CGI, but they do it because they don't have a budget and they 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 know their audience doesn't care. But this is a major motion picture. It felt like a failed cash grab. I, yeah, I just, no good, not a fan. <sighs> you're number two, yeah, you're number two worst. Oh, you're muted. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, sorry. Um, so my number two worst, this was a movie called Never Give Up. Another one of those movies that really probably shouldn't be on the list because it had no marketing. If I didn't, if it wasn't playing at the theater, I wouldn't have even known that it was out. If I wasn't already there, um, but it's a tennis movie about—I forget his real name—but it's a—it's based on a true story. But it's about a deaf kid who becomes a, uh, a champion, but within deaf tennis. Which I'm like, eh, because if he was like a deaf tennis champion playing against regular people, I'd be like, all right, that's kind of an interesting story. But it's about his sort of rise to being a champion within the death tennis um, ranks. And it's acted really poorly. It's cast terribly. Like, it's just all bad. It's the story. The actors, like I said, the actors are bad. It's not convincing. It's just an all-around bad movie. Never give up. I don't really have much more to say about it than that. Well, I'm going to end on a positive note. So I'll do my number one worst. And, uh... I'm. I thought this would be like an honorable mention for positive for you, and I'm, I'm surprised. Although I guess it could be your number one favorite, but I doubt it. Uh, it's the only movie I hated this year, and I'm mad because I had it on my most anticipated. But it is uh, Cocaine Bear. I oh, okay. So I'm just gonna cut you off for a minute. <laughs> I enjoyed Cocaine Bear a ton when I watched it. The problem was I was basically getting sick at the theater, so I didn't really get to enjoy it the way that I had hoped I'd enjoy it. 
But I liked what I had seen of it, and if I wasn't so physically miserable watching it, it might have been higher on my list. Well, I so I sat next to a guy who just laughed his, uproariously throughout the whole movie to the point where like even a person behind me was mocking him. Like, um, I think I've told this story, but uh, like he kept clapping and everything, and the person behind me at one point just went like, <laughs> like clearly insult right after he did his clap like they did like the rapid claps and i'm like okay he's actually annoying other people now and not just me and it, it was so funny like in the uh in the trailers first off i got there like three minutes early and i sit down and he's like i don't know why they don't start the movie now and i looked i'm like well it's, you know it started at like i don't know two o'clock i'm like well it's 157 he's like it's just start it now i'm like what since it's two o'clock? Like that's a hard deb- deadline. It doesn't. It's not one fifty-seven. It's two o'clock. What are you even talking about? And then he's laughing uproariously at the machine trailer. These, uh, I think, Mafia Mom. He laughed at. <laughs> and then of, of all movies, he was disgusted by. Which this this could probably be an honorable mention for me. Uh, the Renfeld trailer starts, and I knew what it was, but I just didn't want to talk to him. But he's like. You know what this is? And I was like, oh no. He's like, it's Nicolas Cage and a vampire. Looks so stupid. I'm like, okay. <laughs> of all movies, you've ever draw the line at it. That was the one. But he helped ruin it. For me, it's like the movie felt like two and a half hours, even though it was only an hour and a half. And it's like the joke is the bear's on cocaine. And for me, that stops being funny like ten minutes into the movie. And then yeah. there's another eighty minutes to go. I didn't care about the humans. They were boring. Uh, it's just, yeah. Uh, and I, I, there was one death, the park ranger, where she fell out of the ambulance and like was being dragged by the, the, the gurney or whatever. I liked that. That's what I wanted. I wanted these over-the-top deaths. But everybody's death is just, oh, mauled by a bear, mauled by a bear. And it's like, and a lot of them I felt sorry for. Like, there's the one guy when the bear's climbing up the tree between... The guy, and then the kid. And it's like, I don't want this guy to die. He seems like a nice guy. And then he gets mauled by a bear, and we're supposed to laugh at him? I don't know. It's just, hated it. It's not going to be in, like, my bottom five of the decade or anything like that. It's, But I just, I was so disappointed. I really was excited for it. And then I'm like, this joke's not funny anymore, and there's no other jokes to be told in the movie. And I just, I didn't care about the drug dealers and... Uh, I didn't like it at all. I just remember checking my watch, being like, it's, "Is it almost over?" And I didn't do that with any other movie. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give you my number one worst, and then we'll do we'll do our best. Yes. Right. That was your number. Wait, that was your number. One? That was number one worst. Yeah. Okay, so my number. My number one worst was, uh, I said already 65. So I'll just do the the next worst one that's on my list that I didn't mention yet. Really, for the worst, it kind of can be almost interchangeable. I would never put Guardians number one or Quantum Mania number one, but the rest can kind of all get mixed up. But uh, this was the worst movie that I've seen with a great performance, and that is the remake of House Party. Um, the premise is the main character needs to get money because his daughter is going to private school, I think, or something. I don't know. Um, I forget exactly what, but for whatever reason, he he needs the money. He works. He keeps getting fired from jobs. He gets a job at like a cleaning place, and he ends up cleaning LeBron James' house. 
And then, oh yeah, yeah, I saw the trailers. Yeah, they're gonna throw a house party at LeBron James' house and charge people to come in and whatever. Obviously, chaos ensues. And there's funny parts. There's a lot of celebrity appearances, and the celebrities, excuse me, the celebrities are all pretty funny. Maya's in it, LeBron's in it. But the one celebrity who actually did a great job was Kid Cudi. Um, all the celebrities play themselves. But Kid Cudi plays himself, and he takes the main characters to this, like, Illuminati meeting where they have to sacrifice somebody, and then they have to fight each other. And it's just really, really funny watching Kid Cudi because he plays it all super straight-faced and serious. And he almost saved the movie. I said the Ric Flair was by far the worst performance in a good movie. Um, Kid Cudi in House Party is the best performance in a bad movie. So that's my worst movie of the year, but the best performance for a bad movie. All right, fair enough. So my number one best movie, we already talked about it. It is Godzilla Minus One. Just incredibly gripping. Character development was unlike anything else. I uh, And it's the best part, Godzilla is a very versatile character. I mean, you've seen the trailers for the movie next year. You know that. It's completely different from this, but it's the same character. But he can be in serious movies, he can be in fun monster movies, he can be... There's been several bad Godzilla movies, but uh, there's been a lot of serious ones. I love the versatility of how he's used. And in this one, I love that he was like a stand-in for the atomic bomb, essentially. Um, where it's like, that set... The reason it's minus one, the bomb set Japan to zero, and this set it to minus one. Uh, and I... Look... I hope it's nominated for Best Picture. I know it won't win because it's Hollywood and it's like, you know, oh, we'll never allow that. A monster movie? Get out of here. It's going to be Oppenheimer. But it should be nominated. Uh, uh, yeah. Much like Top Gun Maverick last year was my number one movie, I was so happy to see it nominated. I know it won't win, but if it's nominated, I'll consider that a major victory. Yeah, my, minus one, I was going to say, it felt like a better Oppenheimer than Oppenheimer in a way. <laughs> yeah. As far as like, dealing with Japan and World War II and stuff. Oh, my other thing with Oppenheimer, it, I saw someone, and you can have whatever opinion you want, but like, to me, I, I got mad because of how overrated I thought it was, and I still think it's a good movie and worth seeing, but like, man, I saw someone on my Facebook was like, you know, such and such was my favorite movie of all time, and today that changed when I saw Oppenheimer. I'm like, you can have whatever opinion you want, but if, like Oppenheimer's seriously the best movie you've ever seen? Like, really? Like, oh, I mean, it's just it's, the the overhype was getting on my nerves. Speaking of that, I do want to say, um, when we had did this last year, my number one and two, I forget the order because I feel like they changed daily, but it was Clerks three and Everything Everywhere All at Once, I believe. Um, or maybe No Way Home. I don't know if that was the year before or last year. But nothing on my list this year tops those three for me. So those three are still going to be my uh, my one to three of the 2020s, I'd say, so far, or at least of the last couple of years. But I yeah. did very much enjoy the, like, the movies that I did enjoy this year. Yeah, it was it was high, quanti- high quantity uh, and good quality. But, uh... Uh, so are we ready for my number one best? Absolutely. All right, my number one best this year. This is a movie that I would have seen either way, but I did make sure to go to a specific screening because I got a free T-shirt out of it. Um, but it's The Holdovers. It's currently on Peacock, so everybody should go watch it if you haven't seen it yet. But it's Paul Giamatti. He's a teacher at a boarding school, 
And he's the one who gets charged with holding all the kids who have nowhere to go for the holidays. And of course, out of the whole school, there's only like four kids initially who don't get picked up for the holidays. So it's him. It's this one kitchen worker. And they're basically the only people there with the kids for during this sort of holiday break. Um, Paul Giamatti is like this miserable old teacher who hates that he gets stuck in this role every year because people keep coming up with excuses to force him to work it. But it's uh, it's an it's an amazing movie. It's really, really, really good. It's the first movie that made me get a letterbox. It's I think to this point the only one that I've actually written a review for. I gave it four point five out of five just because, like I said, it's it's still a notch behind everything, everywhere, all at once, and Clerks Three for me. But it was definitely my favorite movie that I've seen this year. Um, really emotional, but also really funny. Has both dry humor at parts and like kind of slapstick. Um, Paul Giamatti, this should be his Oscar winning moment. And this is my pick for best picture. I don't know if it's going to get nominated, if it's going to win, but everybody in the movie is great. I talked about like perfect casting before. This is another one that like, so, uh, the main character is this kid, Angus, who was played by Dominic Sessa, who I think is another relatively new actor. He was really good. Um, divine joy Randolph plays Mary. She's the, the kitchen worker. And she's great in her role, too. And then, like I said, Giamatti just knocks it out of the park. Um, very emotional. Deals with the whole, like, the ideas of loneliness and family and just even identity and stuff. And it's just, just like I said, just phenomenal start to finish, and I can't recommend it highly enough. All right. I think I just saw, did see a trailer for that. I didn't see it, obviously. but It's, uh... it's on Peacock, so you should absolutely see it. It was so that one. What was the other one? The uh, the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, oh, uh, Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley. Where okay. that's true. Oh no no no. From the one from this year, Saltburn. Saltburn's Saltburn. Yeah. Um, Saltburn's on Prime, and then the holdovers is uh, is on Peacock. But if you, if you double team those movies in a night, you're gonna have a very full night. All right. Uh, I created this list. It's just something fun. Most anticipated movies of next year. This is I, all by. All by release date, so I'm not ranking them. Because uh, some have trailers, some don't. Wouldn't be fair. Actually, only two, three have... Four have... Five. Okay, never mind. Five of them have trailers, so but it wouldn't be fair either way. Um, so I'll just uh, rattle these off. Uh, January 12th, first one, Beekeeper. I, I, that looks like it could be very, very fun. Yes, um, and I don't know every movie coming out, so there's probably going to be some that will look really, really cool that I don't even know about yet. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as a guy that fights uh, fraud and scams for a living, the fact that he gets to blow up a scam call center is very funny. Who uh, doesn't love that? I feel like those are the people you really – like, people who yeah. defraud like, individuals especially, I feel like are the people that you really want to see suffer. I will – I don't know what kind uh, – I, I'll nitpick a little. First off, scam call centers are not that nice at all. They're usually in India. It's like, oh, you you made this purchase on Amazon for uh, $500. Call if you didn't. And it's like, oh, I didn't do that. Let me call. But it's all a scam in India. Uh, although this could be like a boiler room situation. That was also a very good movie or Wolf of Wall Street. But uh, so it could be a scam either way. But it oh. takes place in America. But uh Rough year for Jason Statham. He had two of my bottom ten movies, but this one looks like he's back to uh, back to the old Jason Statham. I was going to say, I, I didn't do a whole list of the 2024, but one that did jump out to me, I'm looking at a list right now, 
is uh, the Book of Clarence, starring Lakeith Sanfeld. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, that one was interesting. That looks like it could it could be really fun. It could also be terrible, but it seems like it'll be fun. Yeah, uh, this was on my list last year, but I knew it would get pushed back, and it did. Uh, March 29th, Ghostbusters: Frozen Empire. Uh, I really liked the um, Afterlife. I'm looking forward to this one. The trailer looks pretty cool. Looks like they're gonna, you know, try to do their own thing. No real tie-ins to the original, although some of the characters are in there. But uh, yeah, I, I think it looks good. Uh, number eight, talk about it a little bit. Uh, April 12th, Godzilla vs Kong: A New Empire. Oof. Uh, that I don't expect that to be. <laughs> uh, I'll be. I'll say this: the rumor is that the villain is like an evil version of King Kong. I hate that. I I don't want that at all. Please don't. Uh, I want Gigan. Give me Gigan already. It's time. But an evil Kong does not sound appealing. But this also looks very fun, or it could be very bad. But we'll see. Uh, number seven, May, May twenty fourth. Uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. These have been surprisingly good and kind of underrated. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy them. I don't have much to say about them. But uh, number six, this got... I'm with you on Planet of the Apes because uh, I loved the first... Tri- well, not the first, the first remake. So, like, I loved the most recent remake. So, so I'm very excited for that. Uh, this one, number six, to me, this one... Sh- this. As great as Bob Barbieheimer was, this weekend could have been much better, even. Uh, but then it got pushed back because of the actor strike. Bike Riders, June 21st. I was so mad when that got pushed back. And then all the way to June, I was very much looking forward to this. I love uh, Sons of Anarchy, one of my favorite shows. Uh, watched yes. documentaries on the Hells Angels, read a book about the Hells Angels. And I was, the cast looks great. And then it's like, I'm about to see it. And then like a week before it comes out, they're like, just kidding. Actor strike couldn't promote it. June. It's like, oh, six months. That's brutal. But oh well. Uh, number five. If I was doing a top ten most anticipated list uh, and ranking them, this would be number one. It is July twenty-six. I hope still. Uh, Deadpool three. I'm yes. glad that this is the only Disney Marvel movie coming out next year. They need a break. They need to find a direction. Um, I'm very, very, very excited about that one, too. I, like I said, I love the second one. Yep. And, look, you know, ever since Endgame, unless you're Spider-Man or Guardians, they really haven't been that... People haven't been interested, I guess, in the Marvel stuff. I mean, people checked out Black Panther, I think, to see the Chadwick Boseman tr- tribute. Um, I guess Thor did okay, but, like... Other than that, they're they're not doing well. They're breaking even, or in the case of the Marvels, losing a lot of money. Uh, so it hasn't been good. But I think the the leftovers from the Avengers, people are just kind of done with. I think it's time to move forward. I think people want the X Men, something brand new. This is what you know the direction they should probably be going. And for finally, for once, we got an end credit scene with the Marvels, where it actually is like leading into a movie that's coming out soon. I mean, my go-to is always, do you remember at the end of Eternals, it's like, oh, Thanos had a brother, and it's Harry Styles. That came out in 2021, and it has yet to be paid off. And uh, I doubt it will be paid off in Deadpool 3. So we're looking at 2025 until that gets paid off, maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't love the Marvels, but I loved that post credit scene. 
Yeah, same. I it was fine, I would say. But yes, Deadpool three, very much looking forward to. Uh, probably gonna be the last. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, number four. This is excited for just name only, but it's an animated one. September thirteenth, Transformers one. Love Transformers. This is animated, so uh, we'll see. It's a prequel, so uh, but it should be good. Number three, October fourth, Joker fully ado. Supposedly a musical. Uh, we'll see how they handle that. I suspect the musical numbers will all be in Joker's mind, which uh, is interesting. But um, I like the first Joker, so I'll give this one a chance. Number two, this will probably just be a big cash grab, but uh, Gladiator 2, November 22nd. I got nothing else on it, but uh, I like Gladiator 1, but it's like out of ideas. <laughs> and number one, December 20th, Sonic the Hedgehog 3. They've been surprisingly good so far, so we'll see. That is my top ten most anticipated. Oh, also, uh, honorable mention, uh, it's a streaming movie, but the Roadhouse remake on uh, Prime. So, excited for that one, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I guess that uh, that does it. Unless you have any other anticipated movies on your... No, I'm good. I just got to figure out uh, somebody locked the front door of my apartment building. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Sorry for some difficulties. Uh, we lost John, and for some reason my microphone just all simultaneously stopped, so I'm using the built-in microphone on the uh, computer. I don't know what just happened there. I'm going to have to figure that out, but it's okay, because we're at the end of the episode. Uh, yeah, sk- Skype dropped John, and my microphone dropped. I don't get it, but uh, anyway, I uh, hope everybody got a happy new year. We will get out of here on a quote. Normally I quote from my number one movie, but um, taking Japanese on Duolingo, it's not going great. It's Well, it's going okay, but it's tough. It's a tough language to learn. But I will drop a quote from my number 10 movie, which is Barbie, which is, uh, I don't know, Kind of a a sad note to go out on for 2023, but also a very funny quote. You guys ever think about dying?